Hello and a warm welcome to the fifth episode of the Feeling Good mini-series. My name is Serena, I use the pronoun she, her, and today I'm rejoined by Becky to discuss the very important topic of supporting young people's mental health in school. In this episode, Becky and I discuss what the state of young people's mental health is right now and how schools can operate as a consistent place of support. We also discuss proactive ways to develop positive mental health whereby young people are equipped with the transferable skills necessary to cope with mental adversity before a crisis point is reached. I think Becky does an excellent job of recognising the needs of teachers and not overwhelming their already full workload, whilst also offering some suggestions that can make a positive impact to young people's well-being. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope you enjoy listening to this episode. Hi, Becky. It's so nice to have you here for the fifth podcast of the series. Um, We're going to be talking about supporting young people's mental health in school. And I was wondering before we start, if you could first um, tell us a bit about your background as context while you're here today. Hi. So, um, yeah, so I've been a teacher for uh, about 11 years now and my um, background is English teaching. Before I was a teacher, I was a youth worker for a few years um, and now I work part time for the charity that we both work for, the Foundation for Positive Mental Health. And I work as a school liaison officer, but I also teach part time at a school for boys with social, emotional and mental health issues. Amazing. Yeah, I'm very grateful for your experience because um, I have lots of questions to ask you um, today about the topic. I think it's important to note um, there are so many different forms of support um, for young people's mental health in school. And it varies massively across the UK and even from school to school. Um, so we're going to be talking today about um, embedding kind of mental health skills within the curriculum and you know maybe some of some of the approaches that schools can be doing to support young people um and my first question is um why do you think it is so important that we support young people in school I think schools are really um, ideal place to provide support to young people because they're there every day they've got a lot of adults with a lot of experience a lot of expertise that can be used to help young people to manage in some cases their own mental health before it reaches crisis point I think one of the biggest issues that we have in schools is that we have these backlogs these waiting lists we have so many resources out there to support mental health that young people and actually sometimes staff in schools struggle to sift through to access and know which are the best ones to go to so we want to make sure that young people have a bit more of a comprehensive or a bit more of an accessible list that they can know straight away to go to for different types of support and that adults in schools know exactly how to support young people as well and what they can be doing day to day. Mm, Yeah and also within that it kind of I guess serves as a consistent place for that access as well. Um, It's like you say they're, they're there every day so Yeah, I think a problem that's kind of come up in more recent years that I'm sure a lot of people would agree with is that with the rise in social media, 
young people got access to a lot of information and not all of it's good information. So schools serve as the place that continues to support young people in sifting through that huge amount of information that's out there and finding support that's right for them and that's that's sort of accurate, tried and tested, scientifically proven, um, making sure that what they're getting is good for them. Yeah, yeah that's so important. Um, you know, we're mentioning the importance um, of supporting young people's mental health in school. What is, what is the state of young people's mental health right now, would you say? Well, according to recent studies, in the past three years, um, the probability of young people having mental health problems has increased by 50%. And I think that we can all acknowledge that the pandemic has got a lot to do with that. Um, five children in a classroom of 30 are likely to have a mental health problem, again, according to recent reports. Um, these reports come from the charities Young Minds and the Children's Society. And they identified some key issues when <clears throat> working with GPs about identifying kind of the mental health um, needs of young people and how best to support them. And they talked about the fact that two thirds, more than two thirds of young people said they preferred to be able to access mental health support without going through their GP. And I think that that's under, we understand people that work with young people know the, um, the kind of stigma attached to mental health, the way that young people feel about making things more formal um and sort of the insecurities that young people have and that the, the actually going in to see a doctor might feel quite intimidating for them um we referenced before the long waiting times that uh, young people are experiencing in terms of getting mental health support and then gps themselves in that study identified that there are major gaps in local support local early support services so things like youth clubs and uh, charities and that sort of that sort of thing mm. the wraparound care <clears throat> Um, that can provide early mental health support so and I think the focus of us as a charity is we want to do a lot of preventative work we want to be proactive rather than reactive so our kind of um, our, our grounding is in teaching people skills to support themselves before it reaches crisis point in terms of their mental health and that way if we apply that that uh, that approach to schools and to young people if we can teach young people skills to support their own mental health before it reaches crisis point. It doesn't mean that we don't need to put more funding in to reduce these waiting times. It doesn't mean that we don't need to improve the resources out there for young people and improve um, schools access to resources, but it just means that it can work alongside it to take some of the pressure off. Mm. Yeah, so it's not like in an either or kind of situation. You were mentioning um, skills uh, earlier. Um, what what skills could people could young people learn um, before reaching a crisis point? Some of them might sound like common sense, and I think that's the barrier that we need to break down a little bit. Where when school staff that aren't that haven't got a lot of experience with mental health, when they think about providing mental health support, and I know this was a worry of mine before I became more interested in and, and started to work more in mental health myself. I felt like I'm an English teacher. What do I know about mental health and how can I possibly say the right things to support young people? And I'm worried about saying the wrong thing and actually making things much worse. So some of the strategies, some of the skills that we talk about can seem like common sense. And I suppose it's reinforcing the message that some of the common sense ideas are actually good ones. And there's a reason why they're common sense ideas. So things like school staff talking about feelings and how different things like the news or different events make us feel and making that commonplace. So just making that part of the conversation in the classroom 
so that young people understand how to talk about feelings and, and that's modelled. Also talking about how we can change the way we feel by different things that we do. So as a teacher, if I go in and say, oh, I had a really sort of stressful week last week, went home at the weekend and I felt like I needed to, to feel better by Monday. So I made sure that I went outside and had plenty of walks, spent plenty of time in nature. I exercised. Uh, I talked to some friends. I went out with some friends. I socialized. Um, I went to a youth club. If I'm a young person, I, I got involved in my football. I did, did some dance. Talking about the different things that we as adults can do to change the way that we feel, to make ourselves feel better and modeling that to young people so that they understand that there are things they can do in their own lives that are accessible to them that can make them feel better. Um, I think if we as members of staff model how we look after ourselves, so we might model how we look after our physical health by exercising regularly. We might model how we uh, eat healthily even just eating an apple in front of them at break time to show them that that's good for them and having those conversations about healthy eating. In the same way, if we have conversations about protecting and looking after our mental health, then it, it, there's less stigma attached to it. It feels really normalized and it helps to make young people understand that looking after your mental health is just as important as looking after all other aspects of your health. So kind of breaking down the stigma, like you say, normalizing yeah, and I think we've come a long way in recent years around that. I know when I first started teaching, the conversations around mental health were so minimal compared to what they're like now. And people worried about mentioning that they were struggling and what that might do to their reputation, what that might do to their families if they talked about struggling. Whereas I feel like now conversations are around that topic are increasing and the topic is becoming more, more normalised and it's becoming more akin to physical health. I was watching the European Championships, the, some of the athletes talking about the impact that their mental health has on their performance and um, how uh, the way that they talk about it, I think is really good role modeling as well, because it makes young people feel like if you want to achieve things in life, it's not just about you having goals and motivation in, in terms of physical strength, if you're an athlete, for example, or committing to loads of hours of working, if you're in a competitive environment in a different uh, career but it's about looking after your mental health and making sure you're mentally able to cope with the challenges that you face both in life and professionally and in your families um, and the fact that so many more people are talking about the importance of that I think helps young people to feel like it's okay for them to talk about it as well uh, obviously there are some more specific things you can do about, uh, aside from the conversations around how you feel um, one of the biggest things that's maybe not given the the kind of attention that it it, it could do with having is, is around breathing to calm the body. So um, to calm the mind, you have to calm the body. So taking those deep breaths in and deep breaths out and making sure that you're taking those deep breaths before something that you're about to experience that's stressful. So before an exam, for example, in the morning before you go to school, if you're feeling anxious about going in, getting that those big breaths in before you go and do something that's quite scary or stressful and the impact that can have on your mind we did actually sorry to just jump in here but we we um did a whole episode actually on the importance of breathing um and I thought it was really interesting actually like understanding a bit more of the science behind it and having uh, a longer exhale then your inhale for example um makes a difference in um triggering the parasympathetic nervous system and I just thought that was really interesting so 
Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that you can, people, can be, people, people get more on board with some of these scientific approaches to improving your mental health if they understand the science behind oh, it. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't mean you have to read sort of masses and masses of, of uh, journal articles and textbooks on the, su- the subject, but understanding it's not just a throwaway thing that you do when you tell somebody to just breathe. The impact that that can have, as you say, on your different nervous systems is so important because it helps you then to realize the worth in it, the value in it. Yeah. It's not just uh, something that's said to shut you up in the moment. It really has got value and worth in, in, in changing the way that you feel. Mm. I think sometimes I know myself as a teacher in the past, I've worried about, and I alluded to this before, saying and doing the wrong thing yeah. when it comes to young people not quite knowing and having the confidence myself in what to say to support them. And I've, perhaps underestimated the importance of them seeing healthy habits in me and how that can impact upon them so even talking about the importance of breathing and modeling that to them and showing them little video clips of how to breathe properly calm yourself down there's 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 no harm in any of that all of that is is bringing in good things for them making things better and I know even with my own children I sometimes forget that they need to be taught these things they don't automatically know it yeah to be taken through it step by step because this might be the first time they've ever heard this information about something that could be so key for them in a moment of panic or stress so I have to remember that we all had to learn it from somewhere yeah we can be the people that teach that they're in school we talked earlier about the fact that young people are in school five days a week for a lot of the year it's a really good opportunity for them to learn life skills, not just skills for their subjects. Yeah, transferable skills that can you know, help them thrive in life. Absolutely. Even as a parent, I think sometimes I just assume this is happening in schools, not because I've got huge expectations and think that school needs to bring up my, my children, but just kind of assume their knowledge comes from school. So there are things I can do as a parent at home yeah. I know about a bit more now because of my work in mental health. But before that, I think there were definitely things that I just took for granted that they would they would learn it somehow. But the people in their lives, the adults in their lives are the ones that can teach them those skills, whether they they dedicate lessons and lessons and lessons to it or just a few minutes a week. Yeah. And I think we can't underestimate how important it is to reiterate some of those even small lessons for young people. Yeah, I think it, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? And, well, um, when we talked about the common sense aspect of it before, mm. as teachers or as parents or as other members of staff in schools, we wouldn't hesitate to say that physical health, that exercise is good for your physical health. We wouldn't feel like that was a controversial thing to say. We wouldn't worry that that was the wrong thing to say. Yeah, true. I think if we can bring those conversations about mental health, into the same places as those conversations about physical health Mm -hmm. talk about things that are good for our mental health and say it so it's completely normal and it's not a big deal that can reassure young people that as we talked about that stigma earlier there doesn't need to be a stigma around mental health in the same way that there isn't a stigma around looking after your physical health Mm. young people sometimes feel uncomfortable when they're talking about themselves which is understandable I think as adults sometimes we feel uncomfortable talking about ourselves Another way that we can do this as the adults in young people's lives is to talk about third parties. So 
young person that I was working with, keep them nameless or someone in the news or someone that's a celebrity did such and such a thing, felt such and such a way. What would you have suggested to them? What would you advise them to do to help them to make themselves feel better? Because talking about them in the third person like that can help to open up those conversations and provide solutions to young people without young people worrying that they're revealing really secret yeah. selves. So I think sometimes if you notice that a young person seems anxious about something and needs some support, but it would make them feel more anxious if you directly approach them in the first instance to offer that support, you could open up those conversations, describe their sort of scenario or link aspects of their scenario and, and talk about how we might resolve that, give some tips around it. And they're taking away those tips without feeling uncomfortable about it being about them. No, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, sort of removing the personal element to it because that can kind of create a barrier. Sometimes our work as advocates for mental health is to reassure people in their normal lives that actually they've got a lot of knowledge and a lot of skills that they just need to know are good skills and good knowledge to have and can support them and that they access these these skills and knowledge when they need them. And understand that although there are many people who do reach crisis point and need some more um, sort of intensive intervention, there are also lots of things that we can do before we reach that point and hopefully to avoid reaching that point that can help ourselves in our everyday lives in the same way that healthy eating and exercise can help to look after our physical health. So it's just understanding that we're probably a little bit more knowledgeable and a little bit more uh Ex- have a bit more expertise yeah. in ourselves yeah think yes yeah, so like reassuring reassuring people of that I think it's important going back to those three things that I mentioned that the report came out with between Young Minds and the Children's Society about how about why it's difficult sometimes um well why, why there appears to be um, a mental health crisis amongst young people yeah. is the lack of early support services and in our own work at the at the charity sometimes I don't think it's that there's a lack of resources I think it's sometimes that there's so many resources out there it's really difficult as we mentioned at the start start of this episode it's really difficult for young people to to know where to start so I think in our notes for this episode we talked about um, including a lot of charities that you can access in different ways and I think that bit's important Directing young people to a website such as the Samaritans or Childline is one thing, but they might think then, oh, do I need to ring them? And I'm not really comfortable with having a telephone call in the same way that I'm not really comfortable going to see a GP. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do in our notes, um, aren't we, is um, split up the different ways that you can access support as a young person, aside from trying some of these strategies that we've mentioned in this episode. So you can call people, <clears throat> you can text them or chat online, or you can email them. Or if you just want to read articles about specific topics that are relevant to how you're feeling, that we've got some websites and some pages that we're going to share in our notes that young people can access there. So young people need that guidance from us as adults. They just need to know where to look, what type of support to access, and to make sure that the support that they are accessing is not just some random TikTok video of someone that doesn't know what they're talking about. Make sure the person that's in that video is somebody quite credible that's giving advice that will be helpful and isn't going to cause more damage. Mm-hmm. Brings us back to the what the, the role of 
teachers and other staff in schools and what they can do and understanding that they want the best for their pupils, they're not going to give information that is bad for young people. If they try some of the strategies that we've mentioned and they access some of the websites that we're going to include in our notes, all they're doing is supporting young people's mental health and trying to make things better. And they should have the confidence and um, knowledge in, in that it doesn't need to be a huge addition to their workload. And they can't be there for every young person every day. That's why it's a, a, something that we share amongst ourselves as colleagues at, at school. But it's just modelling good mental health practices ourselves in our own lives. Maybe maybe learning some if we don't really think we look after our mental health as well as we could already. And being that role model for young people, it's nothing new. It's still very commonsensical. It's still something that we've been saying for years and years and years. But being a good role model in this arena, yeah, really important for young people. Um, wow, thanks so much, Becky. Um, I think, I mean, is there anything else that uh, you'd like to add on the, this topic? I think just that before I started to get a bit more involved in the area of mental health and before I started to work at a school supporting pupils with social, emotional and mental health issues, my understanding of what good teaching looked like was a little bit more narrow. And I feel like it's opened me up to the fact that there isn't one size fits all. and There are things that I could do better. And I've been learning lots, even though I've been teaching for 11 years, I feel like you can never stop learning. And having this toolbox of lots of different strategies that might support at different times is so important not everything will work for every young person, but being open-minded to the fact that there are lots of different things they could try and suggesting that to them and responding to their needs in the moment because you have the knowledge, because you've taken an interest in it. For me, that's helped to make me a better teacher. So I hope that other people that maybe have reached a point in their career where they're not really sure what else they can do to improve maybe they could start to look into some other aspects of the whole package and developing young people outside of their subject as well. But yeah, the other thing is, despite the fact that there are things we can do to improve, it's also accepting that there is only so much we can do. And looking, ironically, part of looking after our own mental health is not to take on too much. So not to add too much to our workload so that our own mental health is affected. So it's yeah. what you can, little bits, can make, little things can make a huge difference. You don't have to save the world, but you might make a difference to one young person's life if you model the way that you change the way you feel or you model good habits in mental health. Yeah, I love that message um, to end on, that you know, small things can make a big difference. So, yeah, thank you so much, Becky, for sharing your um wisdom with us today um and thanks to everyone listening we will of course include uh, those resources mentioned in our notes and any questions anyone may have please do get in contact with us um, on social media uh, we love hearing from you and yeah thank you thanks becky all right <laughs>